Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Um, right, so um, as you know, um, we've started a theme, um, and I think David launched it last week, um, on God's attributes. Um, and I thought long and hard about which um, attribute of God to talk to you about, because I love them all. <laughs> it was not an easy choice, but after time of prayer, Centered on me, you know what? We are all called to be his witnesses. So I'm I can only witness about his attribute that was the most predominant in my life that has remained ingrained with me over the past 23 years. I'm here to talk to you about God's steadfast love. Steadfast, unwavering, unmoving, standing still, remaining forever. Okay? And last um, Sunday, you heard David um, mentioning that God desires for us to know him, for us to have fellowship with him, right? But there is a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And what Jesus did was he came and showed us the Father. And he made the way for us not just to know about him, but to know him, the Father. Okay? And some of us did not have the best experience with our earthly fathers. Okay, so we have a tendency to look at our Heavenly Father through those lenses. And I was one of those people. Um, I, I would go to Jesus and I would talk to Jesus because every time I thought about a Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father, I always thought about someone who I should be afraid of or someone who would leave me if I don't, don't perform well enough. Okay? Um, But what I want to share with you, specifically in respect of this, is, yeah, we talk about Jesus, we pray to Jesus, we are with Jesus, but the beauty of this mystery called Trinity, okay, is the incomplete humility, each one of them points to the other. So when I would go to Jesus, Jesus would point me to the Father, and the Holy Spirit would point me to Jesus, okay, and when, once I learn to understand once I got to know this father that Jesus came to show us right that was part of his mission here I came to love the father so much that I now refer to him as Abba which is Hebrew for daddy okay so another point that David touched upon last week was that Jesus said that whoever saw him saw the father so my prayer for this message that I'm going to share with you today is that by the end of this message, you will get to know the Father even more than you know Him now. And you will get to know His loving heart, His caring heart, His unchanging heart. He never ever changes, no matter how much He's wronged Himself. Okay? Um, and I'm going to start with a prayer. Um, Abba, Father... Make these words alive to us. Speak to us. Draw near to us. We are here, like Mike said, because you loved us. We learned to love you because you showed us first, us first how to love you. Make yourself known to us, Father. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds and hearts, and reveal yourself to us, and please, 
if we look at you through those lenses put on us by our experiences on a heal our hearts and help us meet our Father, the Father that Jesus Christ died to show us. Okay, I will refer to many Bible verses, <laughs> just so you know. So those of you who are inclined to take notes, um, I encourage you to write the, the verses down. And spend time, in your personal time with God, meditating on them. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's faithfulness to you. Those of you who are not inclined to take notes, fear not. Because I will um, post all the verses that I'm referring to um, in, in the order I'm mentioning them on our WhatsApp group, on the church WhatsApp group. And I specifically mean an order because what I'm going to try to do is show you the Father through the history of our salvation, okay? The Father that we got to know through Jesus is not a father that became a father then. He has always been our father yes. from the beginning. And yes. that's what I'm going to let the Bible show you. Okay? So I will start from the beginning, like I said, and all of us as a church uh, went in January through Genesis. So this paragraph must, might be very familiar to you. It's from Genesis chapter 3. Um, and this chapter is the beginning of the human tragedy. Okay, it describes it in detail, and that is man's fall in sin and their separation from God. So if you open with me to Genesis 3, and I will read from chapter 8, uh, sorry, to, from verse 8 to verse 15. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the fields. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What happens here? I want to draw your attention to verse 15. Because what happens here is God making promises to man in the middle of the disaster that he created. Because the offspring referred to in verse 15 is our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and I will give you a few verses really quickly that, again, you can meditate on in your own time. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. Isaiah 49, verses 5 to 7. Isaiah 52, verses 13 to 15. Isaiah 53, and finally 61 with 1. Because all of these verses refer to the servant of the Lord, the one who was promised in the beginning. This offspring that says, He shall bruise your head. 
and I will try to put before you a scenario to hopefully help you understand better what God actually did for us on that day in the garden. Okay, while we were sitting there, bleeding shame for what we've done, He was making promises to us to save us. Okay, so imagine you are parents and you build your children a treehouse, the most beautiful treehouse. And you put all your heart and all your time and all your energy in every plank of wood and every nail when you build that house from them. So you finish it and very excitedly you say, very good, and you call your children to show them the house. And you tell them to get to know it, to make it their own, to name every corner because you want them to be as creative with that house as you have been in building it for them. Okay? But your children destroy the house. Absolutely everything you've done. Would you be hurt? Because that's what us, humanity, have done to God that day in the garden. We destroyed his world by bringing sin and disobedience into it. That's the beginning of our story. That's how the human tragedy began. Okay? But going back to the scenario. You are a parent. What are you going to do? You're not going to scrap your children and have new ones. <laughs> as tempted as you might be. No. <laughs> no, you want to teach them to do better. Okay? God, going back to the story of creation, fashioned humanity with his own hands. Okay? And then he got close to us and breathed his life into us. This is the almighty creator. He could have just as easily scrapped this failed project and create a new one. But that's not what he's done, okay? Instead, in Genesis 3.21, the Bible tells us how God made Adam and Eve close and dress them so they would no longer feel shame. Okay? And at the same time, he promised us that one day he will trust us in himself. That is pretty much the equivalent of you, the parent next to the first house, <laughs> embracing your children there, destroy blank walls, everything you put your heart into. You embrace your children and you tell them not to worry because you're soon going to build them a new house, one that they're not going to be able to destroy. And I think the closest thing that I found, um, I read a lot of uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish teaching as well, and I came across a rabbi, Rabbi Shimlein, he lived many, many years ago. He's a very, very famous rabbi in the Jewish tradition. And he said that the Torah, which is the five, first five books of our Bible, begin and end with God's kindness. Okay, he uses the word hesed which everywhere you see in our Bibles translated loving-kindness, that's hesed. There is no other, there isn't a translation for that word. It is that perfect. Humanity cannot describe it. It's a mixture of undeserved love with complete kindness, that's hesed. So what Rabbi Shimlai said is the Torah begins and ends with kindness. God clothed Adam and Eve, and then he went and buried Moses, okay? Like a father. God is not like a man. 
He is not like us, okay? But if the Bible teaches us anything, is that God feels, and He feels deeply, okay? God did not just love the world, God so loved the world that He gave. And He gave what? His only and His most precious, His Son. Does God feel hurt? I think the whole history of the people of Israel shouts to us a resounding yes. Okay, all one has to do is read the prophets to see how much God hurts. Does his hurt change the way he relates to us? Well, I put before you that the fact that he gave is most precious and his only shows that his hurt does not change the way he relates to us. Okay, what is this? Well, this is the glorious, magnificent, steadfast faithfulness of God. And we see it from chapter 3 of the Genesis. Forget about the fact that he created absolutely everything, like the plank of wood and the nail. The same way he made the trees, the grass, everything else. He made something beautiful for us from the beginning. Names. Names are very important. I think you would agree, okay? We get these things, as soon as we take our first breath of air, our first scream into the world, they give us a name. <laughs> okay? They're very important again because that's the first thing we tell someone else about ourselves. And it's also the first thing someone will know about us after we are long gone and they pass by our gravestone. They're going to see Emma, huh? <laughs> okay, so names are very important. And God seems to agree. Um, and I will take you to Exodus chapter 33. And we'll let God introduce himself. Because that's always nice. Okay, chapter 33, um, verses 18 to 23. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Do you see your father's heart here? In his presence, the Bible says that spirit <coughs> faint, okay, there are angelic spirits faint in his presence. Imagine what would happen to our flesh, okay? What is he doing? He's covering Moses with his hand. He behaves like a father. So Moses asked to know his glory, okay? Well, the next day, the Lord meets again with Moses, and he reveals to Moses, my glory is my name. And I'll take you to, um, you're on the same page, no need to turn. <laughs> it's Isaiah, uh, sorry, Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. And this is God introducing himself. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, 
keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Because you see, to God, his name represents his character. And what did he say about himself when he introduced himself? He said that he is steadfastly faithful. He abounds in steadfast faithfulness. And this has remained so ingrained in the people of Israel that to this day, when they call God and they refer to him, they say, Hashem, the name. Because they know when they say the name, they say all of these. Everything they said, God said in these verses. Okay? And since I mentioned the prophets earlier, let's go to read some of them. And I encourage you again to ask the Holy Spirit. The first few times in my beginning of my walk with God, when I came across that verses, on some of them I cried for days. <laughs> okay? But I told you, God was healing my heart from, from other things. But ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's loving and caring heart and show you how deeply He cares. Okay? And I think we'll start with um, Hosea chapter 11, verses 8 and 9. And if you read the book of Hosea, this book is full of list after list after list of all the ways in which Israel had been unfaithful to God. But listen carefully to God's words. Hello, I'm together as well. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboi? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. What happened to Adma and Zeboi, you might ask me? Uh, Adma and Zeboi, um, if you read in Genesis 18 and 19, were two cities next to Sodom and Gomorrah who also got destroyed, okay? And these are the words, by the time God says this in Hosea, I'll let you, out of curiosity, to read what the people of Israel were actually doing to the point that he was sitting there contemplating, what, what can I do? I cannot, I cannot destroy you, but look at what you are doing, okay? We will continue with Isaiah, by the amount of times I read from Isaiah, you're going to understand that this is my favorite prophet. <laughs> so I'm a bit subjective. <laughs> Isaiah uh, 22, sorry, chapter 43, verses 22 and 25. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not brought me sweet king with money or satisfied me with the fact of your sacrifices. 
but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. What God is actually stating here, if you read in the context, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not usually I refer to the whole context. We have to jump through them. But what God is referring to here uh, is touching upon the fact that back then the people of Israel were trying to approach him by all sorts of rituals and all sorts of sacrifices. And that was the way they said, we bring pleasure to God. We come close to him. We do this for God. And, God, and what God says here to them is, no, you're not doing this for me. You're not doing this for me. You're doing this for yourself. So they feel that you're doing something. This is only empty rituals. And that's the purpose of empty religion without God. Brings no pleasure to God whatsoever. And listen to verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. So what God is telling them here is, I don't need your sacrifices and your empty rituals to forgive you. I forgive you because of me. Yeah. I forgive you because that's who I am. At one point or another of our journey, um, all of us will end up in a place that some inspired soul decided to call God's waiting room. <laughs> okay? Very sad, so. And it was going, it's going to be very, very painful and difficult because a myriad of thoughts and feelings will assault you all at once. And it will sound something like this Where is God? Is God hearing me? Have I done something wrong? Why isn't He answering? Okay? And there will be a repeat, like a broken record. You will make a list and check it twice to make sure you've done absolutely everything you need to do to please God. Okay? You will repent from everything you will, that will come to your mind. And even things that I won't remember, you will turn around and say things, Father, if I've done anything that I can't remember but I've upset you, please forgive me. That's what I'm referring to. You will try absolutely everything. Then, nothing. And that's the point when despair and bitterness might pay some of us a visit. And they will sing the same chorus they've been singing for thousands of years. God has forsaken you. God has forgotten you. Okay? But well, let's hear what God has to say about this. Isaiah 49, verses 14 and 16. Again, try to listen to the Father's heart in this. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. It seems like he literally has no means to express his steadfast faithfulness to us, but to use our own imagery, okay? And what stronger image could God use than turn around to us and say, my child, child, listen to me, I cannot forget you. I've engraved you on the palm of my hand. That means that God literally tattooed you and everything about you on the palm of his hand. God cannot forget you. Our own mothers may forget us before God ever does. 
But let me ask you a question. Can you even conceive somewhere in your mind your mom's forgetting you? Can you? Then why would we give less credit to the almighty eternal God? Why would we do that? So next time you end up in that inspired place called God's waiting room, not inspired, but yeah, interesting place, and you hear the chorus starting again, God has forgotten you, God has forsaken you, okay, it starts again, this is the chorus that has been heard by every human over thousands of years, every human who dared to trust God. So when you hear it again next time, you turn around and sing back to it, my father cannot forget me. I am so permanently, eternally His that I'm tattooed on the palms of His hands. And those of us who have a tattoo, I don't know if I'm the only one here, I hope not. Thank you, Ramon. <laughs> but those of us who have a tattoo, right, have thought long and hard before getting one. Because we knew it was so permanent that we, weren't, we didn't want anything on us that we were not prepared to look at for the rest of our lives. Okay? This is our permanency. When God says, I have tattooed you on the palm of my hand, that is forever. That doesn't get destroyed like a body. It's forever. And this is the kind of faithfulness that has caused God to tell the people of Israel, and still tell us today, something he said in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22. Return, O faithless sons, and I will heal your faithlessness. So even if you feel unfaithful, God can heal that from you. Okay. And then Jesus came. <laughs> right? Jesus came. Truly God. Truly man. Fully God. Fully man. And he made the way for us, all these faithless sons and daughters, to return to the faithful son, Father. Okay? He came, the Bible says, full of truth and grace. Those were his two marks. Truth and grace. And he said to us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into this world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved from him. These are verses from... They're very well known. Um, <coughs> 3 verses 16 and 17. And Jesus reminded us that our Father and our Creator knows us and we know Him. Okay? And He came to show us very specifically that God does not scrap faith projects. Okay? No, no. He dies for them, He redeems them. And these verses are the ones, you know, we all long for that assurance of salvation, for that assurance that we will not be abandoned, that we will not lose this treasure we found. And these two verses healed me and set my heart free. So I tell them to everyone. I think I told them to Ken the other day as well. They're from John chapter 10, verse 20, uh, verses 27 to 30. My sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who gave them to me, 
is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hands. You know where you are tattooed? No one can snatch us out of his hands. Because Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus died on that cross to fulfill that promise from the God. Okay? And this is put very, very clear by Apostle Paul in um, 2 Corinthians verse 5, chapter 5, verse 19, where it says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. That's what happened at the cross. Jesus came to us as the ultimate gift. The best that God had to give us. To show us that in his steadfast faithfulness, he doesn't change towards us. And he will spare nothing, right? He did not spare his own son. He will hold nothing back from fulfilling his purpose. Why he sat that day in the garden. Okay? Because in that day, in the garden, he decreed salvation from us. And if Genesis 1 should show us anything or leave us with anything, is that God says, and it is so. He sent us salvation like a gift. Just like he gives absolutely everything else like a gift. Have you ever stopped to think that God is the only Father who gives gifts not just for Christmas, not just for special days, but every single day. Yet no human father ever received the level of ungratefulness that humanity has shown God. Yet he doesn't change towards us. He doesn't change. And please read James chapter 1, verse 17. It tells us every good thing and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light. With him there is no variation or shadow due to change. What is this? This is his steadfast faithfulness towards us. I'm moving. Why is this so important? Why did I keep talking about this steadfast faithfulness? Why is it so important for us to get it? Okay? Because once you taste it, this joy and this peace, and this hope, and once you feel this new abundant life that he gave you, like flowing through you and pulsating through you every single day, you're gonna long for it, okay? And you're no longer going to be satisfied with the fleeting substitutes this world offers, right? What's the joy they give us? It lasts about five minutes. As long as, as, long as it takes me to get in the cab and get home from the club, that's how long my joy lasts. That's fleeting, okay? We're talking about something permanent here. So, once you feel this, you're going to long for them. And you're going to try every single day, you're going to reach out and try to live them, okay? But what happens with humanity? Well, we in our flesh, we haven't changed too much since that day in the garden, okay? We are self-reliant, stubborn creatures. So in the beginning, we're going to try to do this thing on our own, relying on our own strength. Okay? Some of us have done that for years. Some of us are still doing it. <laughs> and some of us have finally come to understand the futility of this exercise. Okay? And we accepted that the one who knew us before the foundation of the, earth, the world, that's what the Bible says. The one who paid the highest price to have us. The one who never let go of us. 
The one who the Bible again says, and I'll put all of these verses, he knew every single day of our life before there was any of them. Yeah, right. This one is single-minded, is determined, is on a mission to transform us into the image of Christ. Right. And he will finish what he started. If the whole Bible up to here, our days, shows us anything, is that he finishes. He plants, he finishes. Okay? And I love the verse from Isaiah 14, 27 from the uh, Message Bible. You'll be pleased to know I'm coming to, to close. And this is, this is how this, this paraphrase um, of the verse sounds like. God of the angel armies has planned it, what I was saying earlier. Who could cancel such plans? His is the hand that's reached out. Who could brush it aside? So understanding and relying on God's steadfast faithfulness gives us confidence, okay? Gives us trust. Because we are no longer relying on our own strength, okay? We are no longer counting how many times we failed. We are no longer counting how many times we fall down. Because what we will do, we will learn to rely on His love, on the riches of His grace. And on the fact that he doesn't let go of us. He just doesn't let go. Okay? So when we will fall, and fall we shall. Because we're not perfect. What we will do, we will do the exact same thing that the prodigal son did. And Luke 15 tells us that the prodigal son said, I will get up and go to my father. Okay? That's what we will do. Because we realize it's not for our strength. It's not for our efforts. It's because of that love and mercy and that stubbornness not to let go of us. Okay? He is our steadfastly faithful Father. And He promised us eternal life. And He will give us what He promised. Okay? If we only hold on to Him until the end. And if you're curious to hear how the end will look like, I'll take you to Revelation 21, another one of my favorites. I'm a bit subjective in this sermon, or you will have to forgive me. <laughs> you did. Okay. <laughs> Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. In that garden, I created man to dwell with him. That's why we were created, to dwell with God. And that's what's going to happen. Because what God decrees happens. And what will accomplish that is not how tight we hold on to him or how faithful we are because we're proof that's a lot. 
God's steadfast faithfulness will accomplish this. Okay? And what I want to leave you with today from everything that I said is I'll take you back to Abba that I mentioned in the beginning. Abba, our daddy, loves you. He has always loved you. He will always love you no matter how much you think you have messed up. And if that is you, if that's how you feel right now, just do what the prodigal son has done. Just get up and go to your father. Okay? Because he never abandons what he chooses. And he chose us and he will hold on to us. So draw close to him. And tell him everything. Share your joys with him. Share your pain with him. And he will make you stand until the end. That's the fellowship that David was referring to last Sunday, okay? Just tell him everything. If you're sad, tell him you're sad. If you're happy, tell him you're happy. Share everything with him. And he will make you stand until the end. And I think I've just read you from Revelation that it's going to be a pretty glorious ending. <laughs> well, I, I, I like to call this one the beginning of our real life. Where we will be with him forever. Okay? So, I'll just quickly pray for us. Thank you for your patience. I could talk about this topic forever. Abba, thank you. Thank you that to this day, over the ages, thousands of years, you always waited for us. You always fought for us. You never gave up on us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. I pray for each one, every single person here, that they will draw close to you and get to know you more intimately. Thank you that you are our Father. Whether we have good earthly ones or not, you are amazing and we will be with you forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.